Hello and welcome back to the PickSwap podcast, man. It's been a while. It has been way too long. Uh, me and Sean are getting busy, man. Busy young men on the prowl, yeah. you know, making business moves, not making a lot of money. Just in terms of my case, I'm not making a lot, but <laughs> um, I'm here with Sean Bernard as usual. What's up, Sean? Yeah, not much. Hanging in there. I've been busy too and uh, trade deadline over. Sixers are rolling and good times. Yeah, man. So let's let's talk about this. Um, so to recap basically what we've missed since the last time we've talked, it was like almost two weeks ago now that we've, we've been able to do a podcast. So the Sixers do make a move at the trade deadline a little bit smaller than a lot of people were expecting. Um, so let's talk about George Hill a little bit. I personally love the move. What were your thoughts? Uh, just during the trade deadline, like, like just catch me up on that whole thing, how you went about that day, um, you know, not getting Lowry, not getting anyone, anybody else, but making the small move in George Hill. Yeah, so I think obviously the story of deadline day was just the constant Lowry rumors and reports coming out and what the offers were and how close the Sixers were and everything with that. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it was a pleasant kind of change midday to see the George Hill deal go through. I think that was the best deal they could have pulled off just based on I think it's a perfect kind of mix between uh, they didn't have to mortgage the future by any means, didn't have to like prevent themselves from making a move down the line, and it's still a win-now player and a guy that helps this team immediately by stepping on. I think Lowry would have been the, the swing for the fence, best kind of player they could have brought in with the assets that they have, and I'm happy that they didn't do that. And as much as like it's like a – I, I totally stand by the us being in win now mode like that. I don't think Lowry was the simple solution to this team, and that would have been the difference maker. And I don't think for what it was worth, he would have drastically increased our chances enough. So I think George Hill's a safe move. It's a, a good move. It's solid, and it's going to help the team a ton. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you there. And you know that I was kind of at the forefront of the Kyle Lowry thing. Like I was talking about that fairly early on when the rumors started. Um, and I was I was kind of all for it, but like looking at what the Raptors wanted, man, it was like way, way, way too much for Kyle Lowry, an expiring guy that's th what thirty five. Yeah, 36. like he's he's not a spring chicken anymore. Um, I think that his skill set and the way that he plays would have been fantastic here. I think he would have done amazing things for Embiid and Simmons, um, and clearing space for Tobias, who's been uh, you know as we know playing very well this season, but. To get back to George Hill, I love this move like so much. Like, and at first I was kind of just like not let not not necessarily let down, but I I felt kind of like it was just the uh, move. You know what I mean? It wasn't the uh, the blockbuster trade that everyone was promising, but I I genuinely think it was the right decision and at the right time they played out the Kyle Lowry thing. You know, they did their best. I think that like I trust Maury to make the right decision. And, and I think sometimes as a general manager, people get caught up in what they don't do and what moves they don't make or what moves they, you know, they make, but don't work out or whatever. Like sometimes the best general managers just know when to say no. Yeah. And I think Maury decided at that point, this is too much. We're not going to do this. We have a chance at him in the off season. If things don't work out, or even if they do work out, you got some money going to this off season. They did a great job. I think getting rid of the guys they needed to get rid of minus Mike Scott, um, because I think they could have upgraded there. But beside the point, I guess I'm digressing here because I need to get back to George Hill is what we're supposed to be talking about. But I, I love George Hill because he's done his whole career. He's played with stars, whether it be LeBron or Giannis, you know, like he's played with, uh, you know, Paul George, a ton of guys that you can go down the list and name stars that he's played with. He's the perfect supplementary piece. And I think he's going to be the guy that, that can play point guard for them in crunch time minutes. Like I don't expect him to start um, at all during this season, but I think, late in games, we'll probably see him a lot with 
that starting group and, and maybe substitute him for Seth Curry as much as I love Seth, um, who's been on fire lately. We can talk about him in a little bit. But I, I think down the stretch, just you know, using him as the ball handler in a screen and roll with Simmons is I love that idea. Uh, him getting Tobias and Joel the ball in certain situations in their spots. It's just I think it's kind of like a very big glue guy move. Uh, another great vet in that locker room. So I'm extremely excited for it. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things I want to touch on there. First off, with the the Mori trade, I also just because now we obviously know who Daryl Morey is and the entire league knows who Daryl Morey is and how great he is at his job. I do think that hurts him in a way when it comes to deadline like this and that people are so concerned about not being on the, the wrong end of a Daryl Morey deal and like that. So I think we've seen that a lot with both the, the Harden rumors and the Lowry rumors, which just kind of the asking price is just it gets unreasonable. And to a, I think Morey called it La La Land is where the asking price yeah. was. And uh, like being – so worried about like getting the right deal kind of hurts us getting any value with that. So we come to a point where we're sacrificing so much for a deal that like shouldn't take that to get through. So I think that's what ultimately caused the the Lowry to not happen. And then to get back to George Hill, I think he's going to play a lot on this team and a lot more than I think he's kind of getting recognized for at this point from everybody. And for sure, I don't think he starts. I don't think they wanted to touch that starting unit, which I think was another a contributing factor to not getting Lowry is there's no reason to mess with that unit. It's looked great all year. Even you've seen Dwight talk. I mean, doc talk about like not playing Dwight with that unit just because he doesn't want to interrupt that flow and stuff like that. So I think just keeping that five intact is super significant to that team. But when we come down the stretch, uh, George Hill is just about as veteran as they come. He's had everything thrown at him. He's a playoff caliber playoff proven, and he's a, a super helpful ball handler. I think he's a guy that, that's the biggest thing they're going to rely on him late in games is when there is that full court press and trapping and free throws. And as that game gets stretched out, how it goes, George Hill's needed for that minutes. And he is like the veteran that will fill that role. And I think uh, other than that, he opens things up. I'm super excited about him playing alongside shake and letting shake just focus on getting his and he'll can be the distrib- distributor in that offense and really running the show and just let, let shake be shake. It's been awesome to see him get back to, being himself lately and being the bucket that we know hit it, know he is. And I think George Hill is just going to keep bringing that out in him. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that aspect of all this is with uh, George Hill in the second unit with shake. I want to go back to kind of what you talked about with him playing with the starters. I, I think George Hill plays like a chameleon type role, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, what, what lineup he's in with. And you see this as uh, throughout the years, he can go from like a playmaking point guard, that will get the ball to his guys and their spots. And then, you know, if he, if need be, he can go to a spot up shooter and let Simmons run the offense and just be another guy out there that can handle the ball, but also knock it down. He's a 40% three point shooter for his career. So he, he can stand there and knock down shots. If you, if you leave him open. And then on top of that, he can create for himself a little bit. He's going to get to his mid range spots. He's a savvy vet. He knows where he can and can't score. And he's just he's just been around the league forever, and that gives you a lot of advantages. He's played in finals, he's played in the playoffs, like you'd mentioned. So I, I love this move, I really do. And I'm not saying that he's going to give you. I've heard people say he's going to give you 70 percent of what Kyle Lowry does. I don't know if that's true. Um, maybe close to that, but he's just he's exactly what they needed at the right price. And you got guys like Poirier and and Ferguson off the roster. You let them go. Um, so I, I just think it was like you said, Maury did his best to not over overpay for anyone because of how scared other teams are of like losing out on like a poor deal. Like in five years, they're going to look back and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we did that deal. And 
that makes sense because Maury has fleeced people in the past. And you look back, even just this summer, like I think the Danny Green trade is is up there for like oh, yeah. that's a fleecing. I, yeah. Al Horford just being off this roster was like such a huge thing. So it's it makes sense, and I think that. I'm not only just like happy with this move, like I'm really excited for what he brings to the table. And I think at first I was just like, okay, that's good. That's good. Like I'm happy with that. But now like watching some tape, seeing what he's done with uh, great teams in the past, I'm just, I'm really excited for him to get here and start making a difference. And and hopefully that is tomorrow. Yeah. He's a very, he, he the move reminds me a lot of the Danny Green move, to be honest, and just that veteran presence, that winning mentality, that guy who does all the right things, does all the little things. I see a lot of the same with George Hill as I see with Danny Green. And I'm a super pro Danny Green guy that um love that he's still on this roster. I'm happy that he wasn't sacrificed in that Lowry deal, which he would have had to been. Because I do think Danny Green is worth way more than just like a throwaway in the contract. And I think he is very valuable to this team. He ranks top 15 in a couple of defensive categories, which doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to steals and defensive win shares and stuff like that. And uh, just, again, the winning attitude that he brings. So I think George Hill's cut from that same cloth. He's got a lot of the the Spurs kind of mentality into him. That's where he started his career and stuff like that. You see the Popovich kind of trends in his game. Yeah. And, like, it just was the, the perfect deal, though. It's, it was talked about for a while. He was always a name kind of on the radar because it didn't make sense that he was with the Thunder, given where they are in their trajectory as a team. And, like, he was always kind of on the waiver. It was talked about. The deal made sense. And I'm super happy it went through yeah, me too. And and let's talk about Danny Green a little bit because he's been amazing the like the last couple of weeks, especially when, with him beat out. And he's yeah. a guy that's kind of taken his own initiative and in being like, I need to shoot more, I need to score more, I need to be more effective in different ways. And he's been able to do that. And you see him at times like, you know, getting beat off the dribble because he's just not quick enough. But aside from that, like he's been fantastic. What have you seen from Danny Green over the last like two weeks or so that stood out? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's a veteran in this league and understands how the deadline works and everything like that. He's been traded multiple times and knows how that deal goes. So I'm sure it wasn't a, a great feeling. I do think this he wanted to be there. And that's kind of the the vibe I've gotten from it, pretty much everybody on this team, that everybody wants to be here. And everybody's like, this team seems way more connected than it has in years past. And I see that with Green. And uh, just on the court, he had a 28-point outing the other day. He's been shooting the lights out. Just that that corner three, I, I love. And I love that he's willing to shoot tough threes, too, and tough shots that when they're there because the team needs that. And even when it's sometimes an, an ugly look and that weird little pump fake hang in the air that he does, yeah. like I still love his willingness to shoot. He also is sneaky really good at that little like reach from behind poke out. And you see kind of fast yeah. breaks starting because of that a lot when and that that comes with part of that is just him aging getting beat off the dribble more and just have that's all he can do but he is uh he gets that at a high rate which helps the team and starts to break right away and yeah i'm a big danny green guy i'm happy he's still on this roster yeah that's also like that's something that we really didn't mention uh to start this whole thing and we'll um I wanted to talk about here. We'll just move into this because I know we both probably have a lot to say about this. And it's just frustrating at a point. We'll talk about Simmons in a minute. But Danny Green recently, I think it was right after the uh, Denver loss, he said he mentioned something about uh, Simmons in the postgame. Basically boiled it down to he just needs to calm down, relax, slow himself down at times and not turn the ball over and allow himself to play his game. And I think that we've seen this type of leadership obviously from Danny Green and and Dwight Howard and I think this George Hill move is also going to be um a great move and like this is what I've been talking about about 
everyone always has said like you need another point guard on this roster you need a real point guard on this roster blah 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 i think having a veteran point guard like uh george hill is so big for this team in a lot of ways but an underrated way is that he can kind of take ben under his wing and learn how to play as like a true point guard there, there's aspects to simmons games that obviously are not a true point guard and he's six foot ten he's a freak athlete He's not a regular point guard. He's never been a regular point guard, but you know they play him as one. So learning to play this like functional kind of not run of the mill point guard, but like a guy that just does everything right. Because offensively, we've seen Simmons use himself as a screener, almost playing like Draymond Green. I pointed that out um, the uh, last week. I said he he just he plays like Draymond Green offensively, which is like I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. If I, I used that comparison earlier in the year comparing to Draymond and felt like I was being so disrespectful to Ben, but I do agree with that. It's Here's what I'll say about it, because I've never been a Draymond fan, and don't get me wrong, I, I've never been, but when you watch the Warriors play at full strength with him, he is literally the motor that runs that offense. I know, like, don't get me wrong, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, obviously, when he was there, like unbelievable players and they could have done a lot on their own but Draymond Green was the glue that held them together offensively he knows exactly where everyone's going to be at the exact right times I'm so excited for Simmons in the short role the way that Draymond was so effective in the short role it's just like I don't mean it in a disrespectful way by any means I just Mm -hmm. think that Simmons with the lack of um there's the scoring that we see or that we don't see from Simmons from the outside is similar to what Draymond does. And now he's becoming such a great screener. Um, but I think going back to the George Hill point that I was making and the Danny Green uh, thing that I was making is these, these vets taking Simmons and Embiid, I feel like less Embiid, but more Ben under their wing, along with Sam Cassell. Like, I think this is a, a, a pretty big season for Ben. I think all of this is just, a lot right now and i don't know if that's a a fair excuse or a good excuse but it it seems like there's just a lot of transformation going on with ben a lot of transformation in the way that he's being asked to play in a good way like in the best way possible it seems like he's just figuring it out and that's what danny green said and personally i will listen to a guy that sees him play every day compared to anybody on twitter that i see um so i'm going to take it with a grain of salt and just say i think ben is just kind of figuring it out as he's going along they didn't have much of an offseason and they really didn't have much of an offseason with these vets so i don't know maybe i'm crazy maybe i'm just delusional yeah so first of the the draymond ben thing uh ben's obviously significantly more talented than draymond just naturally than hey have ever been that's just their upbringing just different uh with as far as ben it become, it's so easy to him versus draymond's always kind of been a workhorse and stuff like that uh as far as I think it's an insult to Ben's talent to say he's like that, but not his impact on the game, if that makes sense. Right. And um, uh, Ben also has a much quieter mouth than Draymond, so give him credit for that. <laughs> and then uh, to as far as the George Hill thing overall, I agree as far as the attitude, outlook on game, game management, and that kind of things with Ben. I don't ever think he's going to be a true point guard on the offense no. end and in the half court. When we're in the fast break, he 100% should get the ball as often as possible, be the orchestrator to that, be running that. I think he's going to transition more and more into almost a power forward type role in the half court. And I think that was a lot of the appeal of Lowry was so that it's just a a cleaner fit with that. But we see him in the screen game. We see him under that little, the little half circle underneath the basket. That's kind of where he operates 
on in the half court offense for most of the thing. And uh, the post up game, obviously his touch is kind of up and down. And when it's there, it looks great. And there's times where it just looks like he has no feel around the basket and which is super frustrating. But, and yesterday was one of those games for sure. But like, I think as his career progresses, he's going to gradually build out from that more so as a ball handler. And I mean, he's 6'10". There's no reason why that shouldn't be the case. So we'll see how much of an impact George Hill has with that. But I think long-term, more of a power forward on the offensive end. Yeah, and I think that's like people just get so caught up in what what does he do, what does he what he doesn't do. For sure, this is this is NBA basketball these days, bro. Like nobody plays a position. LeBron is a point guard and a power forward, and you know Kevin Durant brings the ball up. James Harden went from being a small forward to a point guard throughout his career. Like there's transitions. There's there's way these guys learn how to play. It's specific coaches and schemes and everything. Like he is a very talented player on both sides of the ball. And I think that him just learning where and when he's going to get his shots at different, like in different situations and just getting comfortable in those spots, I, I think it's going to come along. And it-, it was there for a minute right before the all-star break. And we've seen him struggle since, uh, especially offensively. And he's only averaging like 13.5 points per game since the all-star break. It's not good. It's not, it's like, and, and you know, I'm the biggest Ben guy, like that I know, and I'm saying that you know confidently. It's it's just not good enough. He's gonna need to figure it out. But I don't, I don't think that he won't. You know what I mean? I feel like people are just like, this is yeah. year four. He should have it all figured out. Whereas I'm like, it's only year four. He's only 24, and he has you know years and years and years to be the best player on this team, or you know close to it, playing with one of the best players in the league. Like I. I trust that he's going to figure it out. And I think it and uh, alleviates a lot of the pressure put on him. And I'm just, I'm super excited for this team to just get back together, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as the team as a whole, I still think the fit works and stuff like that. Yes. I don't think Ben, as much as like there's both sides, you're always going to get the Ben haters who will pick apart everything and the Ben, uh, like defenders who will go over the top to defend him and neither one of them like both are super extreme on that and he I think Simmons has become the most polarizing athlete in Philly right now which is crazy to say but uh uh for me I kind of look at it is he is who he is like if you want him to be a number one superstar LeBron like he's never gonna fill those shoes but he's for sure valuable to this team he helps them a ton and it's like like if this is who he is and that's what he brings to this table that's still pretty damn good and even though it's like it sucks that when you're thinking about a guy who was a number one pick and had all these expectations and some of the best like benefits to his game that he's added or how well he sets screens and how he kind of has a post hook now and stuff like that, like in a, a vacuum that definitely sucks. And like, I hate looking at it like that, but he's still Ben Simmons. He still does a lot. And like, don't forget, it's crazy that this team is seven and three without Embiid and just hang down, held it together without, and now we're getting our moneymaker back in Joel. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. A player's impact goes well beyond the box score, and we and we've done this whole thing before. And like, looking back on players, it's hard to pinpoint a guy that plays like Simmons. It's just it's there's nobody like him. You want to compare him to Magic? He's not, and he's just not. You know what I mean? He's he's not Magic. He's not Scottie Pippen. He's somewhere in between. It feels like. He's his own player. He is what he is. And I still have like I still have serious trust. Like honestly, not a lot of worries about the fact that through his career in Philadelphia, he's going to be better and better. And maybe like again, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm just like head over heels for Ben Simmons. I might bit. be. 
a little <laughs> bit. I might be. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'll take that. Um, but I will, if it happens, I will tell you. I told you so. No matter who tells me otherwise. So, I, 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 I think Ben's gonna be fine. I really do. And I've, I've said this before. And he's gone this like roller coaster of a season. But it's there. And I think being with Doc Rivers, especially, I think that Ben Simmons is going to be perfectly okay. And maybe the expectation was for him to be Magic Johnson, and maybe he's not. But that's your own fault for having that expectation and not being informed enough to know what Ben Simmons does best. And let's let's talk about it a little bit because I was just looking at a graphic earlier about the last 15 games in the NBA. And the 76ers are 13th offensively, number one um, in terms of net defensive rating, and then number two um, in overall net rating. The Sixers' defense is what has carried them to this uh, with this stretch without Embiid, even without a defensive player of the year candidate in Joel. This is obviously the catalyst of this is Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris has been fantastic. Danny Green has been good. Seth Curry has even been not bad. Um, Dwight Howard, fantastic. Matisse Thibel, fantastic. Shake Millen has done a, a very good job this year as well. But we all know who, who the guy is here defensively is Ben Simmons. So when talking about Ben and saying all the struggles that he's had um, defensive, or I'm sorry, offensively, I don't think it should go untalked about. And I know that his defense is definitely talked about. Don't get me wrong. But how much it impacts winning basketball games. So just in general, we can we can get to Simmons' defense later because I, I think people know what we're talking about when we talk about Ben's defense. What were your main takeaways in this stretch? You know, 13-day road trip, six-game road trip. They they get out of it, um, all, out of all of it without Embiid, seven and three. How do you feel coming out of this? getting back to the other side with Embiid, hopefully coming back tomorrow? Uh, my first takeaway, I would say, is just the mentality. And Doc Rivers has talked a ton about this pretty much after every game in the postgame about how, like, earlier in the year, if Ben or Joel sat out, it was kind of a loss, and that was just that was what it was, and how that's not the case anymore, and how the team still is ready to fight every night and still has a chance. And it's cool that, like, it feels like the supporting cast has now stepped up to the plate as far as, like, we're this good as a team. It's not we're this good because of Ben and Joel or Joel just because of Joel. Cause there were nights at the beginning of the season where yeah. it took 42 points out of Joel or it took a 50 point effort for them to even be in the ball game. And that can't be the case long-term, especially like going down the stretch, heading toward playoffs. Like we need everybody for those kind of efforts and teams are only going to get tougher. So I think that was my biggest takeaway with that. As far as on court, I do like that there was kind of a little different layer to this team, whether, and like just the conscious kind of pressing the ball a little more, running the fast break and the Simmons led offense. Tobias stepped up again. Tobias is like that guy, I think is another big takeaway. And like we can count on him now. And I it's cool that he's kind of risen from a, a guy that was really talked about like heading into the season is like that's an all time bad contract and a borderline at Al Horford situation and that kind of thing to now climbing into a guy that like He's our, our third star for sure, and he's very needed on this team, the consistent points. And just like every time he shoots his little – like that little in-between mid-range kind of like whatever you want to call it. Like I think it's going in every single time, and yeah. I, I love Toby. I'm happy he's here, and I think he's a he deserves a ton of credit for the Sixers keeping their head above water during this stretch. Absolutely. Um, I was – like I, I think we were both pretty ah. – I don't want to say that I was like always in on Tobias. I just, I always thought there was better Tobias than what was being shown. Obviously, mm -hmm. last year was just a mess all around, I feel like. And, you know, 
was written on the wall. Everything was there. And Tobias, the Sixers made the right choice, I feel like, for in Tobias's case and for everyone, every player's case, I think, making this switch to Doc Rivers. But I think Tobias has been, you know, the biggest benefit has, has gone to Tobias with this Doc Rivers. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. And just, you know, simplifying his game, getting yeah. him to his spots. He, he's literally lethal in the mid-range. Like, he doesn't miss. There's mm-hmm. games where he just doesn't miss. And that's insane. He He's insanely efficient. He's been, you know, shooting his best percentage from the field for his career. He's just been a different level of confident. You see game winners against the Lakers. You see, you know, huge games out of him with or without Embiid and Simmons. Like he's done it in a variety of ways. And he's just been like lights out in a lot of ways. And, and that's something we can't take for granted. I know it's like sometimes you're like, oh, wow, Tobias has 30. And like, you don't even realize it because he's just been getting these like old man buckets on you the entire yeah. game and you just don't even realize that you're like oh, you look up at the scoreboard and you're like oh my god we're down by 10 and tobias is 35 and like <laughs> just wow, quietly, he, yeah he's a, he's a silent killer and he's been fantastic this year but i mean like i think you cover you basically covered all the bases with this this team is very good and seth curry has had a chance now to get back really in a rhythm and he's looked great the last couple games and that's a huge benefit for the Sixers as well. That they were missing his production a lot. Like obviously when he was out with COVID, but even when he came back and then he hurt his ankle. But even when he came back, he just wasn't the same player that he was like at the start of the season. And getting him back to form, you know, I think letting him do a little bit more of what he wants to do, but also pushing him to take like I feel like he passes up more open threes yeah. than like anyone ever. And it makes no sense because he's such a good three point shooter. But it seemed like he had the green light last night, and he went kind of crazy last night against the Cavs. And you know, it was nice to see them actually kind of handle the Cavs for once. Like, if like the Cavaliers are one of the teams that the Sixers just for whatever reason always struggle against. Yeah, they lost the first two to them this this season already. And like they were bad losses, like ugly, just ugly, ugly losses. But um, like going back to what you said, I think the bench looked great, keeping Dwight Howard in that in that rhythm shake was fantastic last night man he's back to form it seems like i don't know it seems like they're hitting a stride if like the back-to-back losses between um denver and the clippers on saturday last saturday it felt like they were down like it felt like they were not playing well they were not doing anything right and it was like there was just two games in this season i feel like sixers twitter just had a meltdown um this week which you know is not uncommon at this point but this team is really good and I think once you get George Hill and you implement him and you get Joel Embiid back, like, oh my gosh, dude, we're getting Joel Embiid back. I feel like there hasn't been a game where I expected them to lose at all during this stretch, and they haven't even had their best player and arguably the best player in the league before mm-hmm. his injury. And I'm hoping that you know he's back to like real Joel Embiid, back to what he was doing earlier this year. I know it's kind of a shame that he's out, um, basically out of the MVP race. It's a shame because I feel like he would have won it if he was healthy, but... Yeah. Just, you know, in general, I feel like my biggest takeaway was the fact that this team is really good. This team is really good. Mm-hmm. We've always had good players. Like the last four years have really good players. But this team as a whole is just very solid. Uh, one through 10 minus Mike Scott um, is very solid. And I just I'm really happy with the way they've been playing and the way they've been able to pick it up even without Joel. Yeah. I mean, the team's definitely at a spot is like 
this is obviously competing for a championship and they could for sure pull some sort of Hail Mary to rearrange the roster yeah. if needed. But like, this is the team set up to succeed right now. And all the pieces are in place to maximize on what we have. So this is kind of the go for it. And I'm excited to see how this season ends. And I, I do think George Hill adds to that and is a very win now player with it. So I think all signs are go ahead and green light. Let's go. So let's make it happen. Yeah. 100%. So let's, let's talk about what you're, you were talking about a little bit of a Hail Mary the buyout market seems to have passed the Sixers by um, in yes. a lot of ways. There's still some names out there that could potentially, like I heard Marcus Saul's on the fence of maybe getting bought out. I really don't see that happening. Um, but just in general, what have you been seeing or hearing about the buyout market? And if there was something that the Sixers could do, what would be the ideal um, situation for you? Whether it be like Otto Porter or whoever it is, you know, say a name, a couple names or just a position that you would look for as for the Sixers in the buyout. Yeah, it's tough. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like there's been a lot of movement or a lot of uh, traction in that area with the Sixers. And uh, for me, even going into the deadline, I think my biggest need for the team was like a stretch big and adding that depth. And because I, Mike Scott, love you, but like just simply doesn't cut it. Like the two games he started with Dwight Howard played 50 something minutes and scored, I think nine points and shot like uh, two for, I, I don't want to get the stats wrong, but under 20% from three. And uh, like, that just doesn't cut it. We can't rely on him for any uh, minutes like that. Obviously the nets got better through the buyout market again, took advantage of uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, of course, already that those neither moved my meter as much as kind of, I think a lot of people, uh, I think Claxton's more valuable to the team than either one of those at playing, coming off the bench and playing those minutes. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think I, they obviously have enough to kind of play some minutes left in the tank, but I don't think either one of them are game changers in that regard. Yeah. Uh, on the Sixers end, I still would love to get a guy like that, no matter who it is that like shakes free. I really don't have like a, a set name in mind right now and like things like that, but anywhere along, like another big that can provide depth. Dwight Howard, I just don't think is also enough to rely on. We saw him get thrown out twice in the past week in back-to-back games for no, no, like there's no need for that. We're already short on uh, big men. So any kind of depth there I think would help. Yeah, that's what I was saying the other day. It's just like, I think that they just need a third playable guy. And it was Tony Bradley. Uh, Obviously he gets moved in the uh, George Hill deal, but I think whether it's like Marquise Chris or or basically anyone that you can get your hands on as a big man, I think that if you want to take advantage of this last roster spot, you had to cut um wasn't it Iggy Brazadakis? Yeah. You had to cut fun. him, but yeah, sorry, Iggy. Um it's been a pleasure, but I, he'd be kicked out the door pretty quick if it came down to that. Um I've also seen like Wayne Ellington is apparently uh might get bought out and I just I, can't I think, see that. I can't see I can't a see it either. Out. Yeah, I, I thought heard, like I really thought he was going to get dealt at the at the deadline. Yeah, I did too, and I have heard that if he does get bought out, I would love it. I I can't see that happening, but we can hold out hope. Yeah, man, you never know. It's like he's been up there. Otto Porter's been up there. Um, in terms of names, I've heard of Marcus All. I also another guy I really just doubt is is going to get bought out. But a, a third guy, a third center, especially like I feel like you'd be a little bit more uh, lenient now, especially with the fact that Embiid is kind of out of the MVP race. I, I would guess that they're a little bit more lenient with his rest days. Like just let him sit when he needs to. They've proven that they can win without him, um, or at least in certain games and certain situations. And with this knee injury, 
whatever days he needs, I think you just want to get him as many of those as possible. So I think getting a third guy that could be the backup center or the starting center in place of when Embiid needs to sit or anything like that, um, I think is not necessarily like a necessity, but it definitely would be a luxury that would be nice to have, especially for a team that's aspiring for a championship. I think all the advantages and all the luxuries that you can get for this team, you try to get and you just kind of, you know, do your best at this point. You, you, you did what you could at the trade deadline with what you had. They have some money left over, which is why I'm surprised that they haven't thrown money at somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they, I think that if there's someone that becomes available, I'm surprised again that they haven't gone after anyone, but I feel like if there's somebody available in like the, the coming days or this coming week, uh, they probably would go after them. Yeah. There's a part of me that thought, uh, a lot of it was showing faith in Paul Reed, but, uh, given the last couple games, I just don't think that that's the yeah. case. And, uh, I love Paul Reed, big B ball Paul fan, but, uh, he's not a long-term center by any means. And he's six, nine as it is. And uh, he plays way more like a wing than a big man, even though he's in a big man's body from what I look at it. So I kind of do think that should be scrapped is kind of the potential of him in like a big kind of role. And just like, let's capitalize on the little mismatch that we could get and make him kind of a, a wing type player, which I think would work to his benefit. I'll, yeah. I mean, if we want to, let's talk about a little Paul Reed right now. Why don't yeah. we? And Rajon Tucker. Cause I love Rajon Tucker. He's like, for, sure. for whatever reason became like my, my favorite player, but uh, Paul Reed, I mean, an absolute sensation, right? Just yeah. for no reason. G League. I mean, not for no reason, but like for at the start, we were all like, oh, B-Ball Paul was like kind of a meme at the beginning of the year. And then it was like he just blew up. We had a great G League season, MVP, rookie of the year, all that. Um, but I, I like I agree with you. I think that he's kind of more of a stretch four, which, you know, if you can have one of them on the roster, that'd be fantastic. But yeah. I think he's a few years out and they just signed him to a deal. So I, I feel like he seems like Shake Milton 2.0 to me. And it, like, not the way he plays, but like the way that he's yeah, come about. Situation. Right. Like he, he was an underground guy. It was just kind of a grinder uh, early on in his career. Shake Milton, same thing. Signed a long-term contract, really cheap, really early. And he's proven to be, you know, one of the better players on this roster. And I'm not saying that, that like Paul Reed will definitely be that guy, but he has all like the, the raw talent to do so i think that he's just uh, from everything we've heard he's just a dude that gets after it gym rat type guy so i'm you know kind of have my fingers crossed that he turns out to be uh something good because I, I feel like he'd be one of those guys that's just beloved by this city yeah already sure. is already is yeah and uh yeah as far as your shake milton comparison like it's a very similar situation with that and i think that's one of the reasons i'm so kind of in on uh paul reed is just like I strongly believe like that's such an effective way to build a team and build a roster is like shake. Now prior to the deadline, he was the 14th highest paid player on the team. He's now the 11th highest player on the team, but that's still ridiculous for the amount of production you get out of that. And same with Paul Reed, he will be so two more years after this, neither one of them are guaranteed. So they could back out of it at any point, but for a minimum deal. And if you can get any sort of production out of that on the back end of your roster for a minimum deal guy, like that's unreal. And that's kind of the kind of value that you have to find just given we have these massive contracts already out for Simmons and for Embiid and for Harris. So if you can find that on the back end, open things up for some veterans minimums as we do with Dwight and uh, obviously different with Danny Green, but like the same kind of principle with that. And I just think that's the foundation of how you build a team. When you have young guys that can produce for little money, fill the rest with vets and you have your stars. And that's, I, I just love the move. I love that they extended him like that. And, 
happy for Paul Reed to work his way out of a ten day so or uh, out of a two way so quick. Yeah, he's been uh, he's just a lovable guy. It seems like he's just kind of a goof and uh, loves where he's at, dude. And I think that's the best thing is all these rookies like Tyrese Maxey. Also, shout out to Tyrese Maxey. He played well, really well last night, mm-hmm. and uh, he he stayed in Philadelphia. I know you're probably pretty happy about that. Um, yeah. That was another part of the the Lowry deal would have been Maxey being sent to Toronto, but I'm glad he's still here. I think he's a uh, another guy that man he could be a stud going going forward. I really like his game and. We've talked about him a bunch, but like him, Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, there's a crop of guys. I mean, you want to throw Matisse in there as well, who had a huge dunk last night. Oh my gosh, I was going crazy yeah. here. <laughs> On his head. Yeah, right. It was just fantastic. Great way to to cap off that game. But like just in general, I feel like the the Sixers are building like a real legitimate dynasty contender. Like obviously they have the win, they have to actually win to be a dynasty, but like they have the star. They have the stars right now that are under contract for a while, and they have the young guys that could be like really beneficial to this team going forward. And you know they're going to be into some money this summer. They really, they really. It's kind of like a thing I keep looking forward to. And obviously, I don't want to look past this season because it's been they're legit contenders for this this championship this year. So I don't want to look past this and not enjoy this as we go through it. But I also want to point out that like they're probably going to get better. Yeah, like they really. I, I feel like they can only get better. So that that's something we can kind of leave off on because uh, we talked about a lot today and I feel like we've covered a lot. It was great to get back, you know, in the groove of things. We're going to get back into a rhythm here. Um, the Sixers are at home against the Timberwolves tomorrow. Yep. So uh, Joel Embiid back, George Hill, yes, hopefully sir. in the lineup. I'm super excited. How are you feeling? Yeah, I can't wait for him to be back. I, I do think this is like a, a huge kind of blessing that like, not that they had to play without him, but just honestly, just back to the fact that he's able to come back. And just the yeah. first look of that injury was so bad. And I really thought like that was the season there. So the fact that we have a, a second chance and a second life is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm ready to get like really back with them and this team. Like, I, I again, like you look at the power rankings, everyone's kind of back on the other side with the Sixers. And, you know, you can stay over there, but when they're, they're back on track. And I mean, they're only second. And I mean, the East is so bad past the Bucks at three that it's like yeah. you're definitely gonna get a top three seed, but I think that's why you should be shooting for number one. Who knows? We can we can have that conversation later in this season when they the, the final standings come in. But again, thank you guys so much. We missed you. Um and we'll talk to you guys soon.